Okay, old school essentials, smoke and snow, and I can already see an error I've made because I forgot to change the session title on my uh, on my screen, which is very negligent to me. I got distracted by the uh, the unfortunate technical problems we've had this evening, which uh, have been sorted out thanks to my players who are far more technically uh, experts than me. So, uh, however, I can quickly just go there. Okay, boom, done. Right. Okay, so when we last left off, you guys, you were heading to this hidden inlet that you believe was being used by the pirates as their base of operations. I've moved you straight there. The journey has taken three days, so it'll be like three rations for each of you. If anyone's down HP, you can have recovered effectively 3d3. Just to make it a bit quicker. Just make me laugh whenever I'm like, oh, is, is anyone down HP? And Darren's always like, <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So it's been a it's been a fairly uneventful journey over the three days. You know the rough location of this alleged sheltered inlet that the pirates have been using. the The weather is still snowy, although it's not gathered in intensity. It's quite cold, obviously we're going into the Valconian winter, but it's not yet so cold that it's proving like a major hindrance to travel. Although there are small snow drifts that have started to form here and there, some of which are a little bit deep. They're not too difficult to avoid the deep snow drifts at the moment, but obviously as the winter goes on, that's only going to get worse and the, the conditions more inclement, shall we say. So... Just very briefly, during the three days of travelling to get to the sheltered inlet from the the Hag's Lair where we were previously, is there anything you guys wanted to do or discuss during those three days? Just keep an eye out for those assassins. Okay, Romy D6. Okay, you have seen no sign of any further assassins from the Black Rose Order during your travels. A few times you think you you spot like a, a shadowy figure or something similar lurking amongst the trees. However, you basically like stealth off into the trees while everyone else carries on to like investigate it, Quentin. And when you get there, it always proves to be some sort of like natural phenomenon, like a, a log's fallen at a particular angle, or the snow drift and the shadows cast have suggested a human form. You don't find any sign of like tracks. Obviously, Brock and Malcolm are pretty good at tracking as well. You don't find any obvious tracks of anyone sort of following you or sort of dogging your footsteps. As you travel, however, you arrive at the area where you think the inlet is roughly located, and the the cliffs that you are sort of walking on the edge of are now sort of tapered downwards and the shoreline from here out is a fairly shallow shoreline which affords you a greater degree of visibility to the west certainly along the coast although that sort of gets more difficult as you go further inland because of the terrain and as you look into the distance very faintly very distantly you can see what appears to be a ship sailing in the opposite direction so away from you uh, 
you see its billowing sails and from the top of its mast it is flying a red flag with a white cross and a white skull above it as depicted by the icon on the map which you know to be the red flag of the damned pirate fleet rumored to be led by Catherine Alfson also known as the ghost however it seems to be like sailing away from you and getting more distant Okay. okay, John, what was her surname? Catherine? Catherine Alson. Catherine with a K, and then Alson is A-double-L-S-O-N. Although she's most commonly referred to as the ghost. You remember previously the pirates you interrogated said that she'd earned that nickname because there was a few times where they thought they definitely captured her and there was no way she could escape, but she'd, she always managed to like slip out from under the noses of like the legal authorities which led to a sort of gaining almost this like mystique or this sort of reputation that you know she was impossible to catch hence the nickname the ghost so quentin because you've been like looking around and you've been watching out for assassins and stuff like that as you as you're getting near this area where you think this hidden inlet is located and you're like right it must be like literally like right on the water's edge because otherwise it'd be very easy to spot as you're looking around you eventually locate what appears to be a number of sets of footprints like quite a lot of them they've been slightly covered by the snow but it's not too heavy yet so you can still make out the impressions and they appear to be heading to a small sort of cave on this inlet a small like natural cavern following the footsteps it's quite easy to spot but from a sort of distance away especially with the snow covering it's very well concealed Point them out to the guys. Yep, you you look around. Anyone who's got like tracking or anything like that, if you want to know any more information about the the footprints, you can obviously make like a tracking roll. Ascertain <clears throat> or try and ascertain how many we're talking about, ideally. Okay. Different sets. Success, John. Okay. <clears throat> Obviously, if you want to make a roll in your tracking as well, Brock, you can do. Um, yeah, so. I don't know if I've got a skill for it. <clears throat> I think it's more hunting than foraging. That's fine. I'll say you can make a hunting roll. I think that's apt under the circumstances. You're hunting for pirates. Okay. Oh, that's weird. It's coming with Brother Lomas. Oh, that is weird. Okay, he's, he's risen from the dead. Jesus. Oh, What's no. going on tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually says... That's weird. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Neither here nor there. It, it's not the worst of the complications we've dealt with this evening. That's fine. I can deal with that. The, the grisly spectre of Brother Lomas rising from the dead and being like, this footprint's there, mate. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Get in line. <laughs> Cheers, brat. Okay, so Malcolm and Brock. See how long it takes me to get mixed up and say Brother Lomas when I look at your name there. <laughs> okay, so between the two of you, you examine these footprints that Quentin has pointed out to you. You 
estimate there must be no more than it seems like an awful lot of people went in there. I mean, you're talking like maybe two dozen people. However, you can also see there are signs that like a lot of those people have left. There's like footprints coming out. So, so doing a bit quick bit of like mental arithmetic based on the amount of people who went in and the amount of people who have apparently come out, assuming that's accurate, you estimate there must be no more than half a dozen people remaining in the cave. But you can also see from like, the depths of the footprints that about five or six of the people who entered were obviously carrying something very heavy because their footprints are like far deeper. And that's not the case on the ones that have left. No. Take it. No. Right, so they might have some sort of treasure or something, even. Indeed. Is it? Does it look like there's any other possible entrances or exits? Any signs of any footprints going anywhere else? Now, just just before I answer that, let me just check. How close are you guys getting to like the inlet? Not so close as they can hear us. Okay. Cool. That's all I wanted to check. So, remind me of your question, Brock. No, it's just other entrances. It was, was it? Yeah. Is there any sign of any sort of like another entrance, like a back door almost to this cave? But you have a quick scout around the area, obviously being cautious so as not to tip people off, like Quentin said. You don't see any obvious signs of of like another exit. It's possible there could be like a concealed exit or something like that, but obviously that would take more time to locate. But on a quick sort of cursory survey around the area, you don't see any signs of another exit. And do the, do the footprints lead back somewhere to the water? Like they've come they, in in a little boat? Or... They appear to head to the water's edge, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do we think? Okay, Weimar, as they're discussing this, you obviously you're still some distance away, as you've said, from the inlet to like not tip anyone off. You spot what appears to be the sort of, uh, the dark form of a, a single figure, dark against the bright white of the snow, sort of lurking around the the entrance to the cave. But you say you're still some distance off, you keep you're trying to keep yourself concealed. You can just see what looks like a single human figure sort of stood near the mouth of the cave. It's a bit too far away for you to get any detail at the moment there. Do they have anything like are there any you know items around, I guess? <laughs> like is, is there any sign of activity in like what they might be doing? Okay, there seems to be sort of just behind they seem to be sat on like like some sort of box, maybe it's a wooden crate. Again, it's a bit difficult to tell at this distance. Mm -hmm. um, you can see they're wearing, they're wearing sort of furs, like your standard cold weather gear. They've got some sort of hat on their head, like a sort mm -hmm. of fur hat on their head. You can see like a a thin wisp of smoke coming out, like they're smoking a pipe. As you sort of, well, maybe a d6 roll. See if you get any further information. Uh, three. Okay. At first, you're like, oh, I think, I think that's, I think that's probably it, and then just like a glint of, a glint of like early morning sunlight, catches on something metallic hanging at the hip, of the, of this figure, 
and you recognize the the unmistakable shape since you're very familiar with it of a black powder pistol which is obviously like slung on his belt and it's hanging down by his furs it's quite difficult to make out but like i see you've just caught this glint of light shining off some of the metal components of it and obviously you're very familiar with such weapons mm -hmm. he, he seems to just be sat there like puffing in his pipe occasionally you see him sort of get sort of like walks around he's rubbing his hands together trying to keep the cold away so sort that of walks up and down a bit you see he's like looking about mm -hmm. and then he goes back to sit on this like wooden crate So I suppose we would you know, be hunkering down a little bit to chat about what, what we're going to be doing. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Feel free to chat amongst yourselves. As you as you specified, as Quentin specified, you've deliberately maintained the distance. So mm -hmm. as long as you don't talk above, like, as long as you're not shouting, there's mm -hmm. very little chance this guy's going to hear you unless the wind changed. And obviously you would know the wind had changed, so you'd be able to like, modulate your voices appropriately. Mm -hmm. So yeah, feel free to discuss what you want to do, guys. Just gonna say, like, oh, looks like a sentry, and if I'm not mistaken, there's gonna be a powder weapon. So, very effective sentry at that. Very loud. Hmm. You, need um, to, you need to stab him before he can fire. Then. Yeah. I mean, how, from this the the layout of the land, as it were, how close can we get before? You know, if we were sort of moving silently and creeping up, how close can we get? Okay, it's going to be very difficult to get too close because, as I say, the once you're on the actual beach proper, it's very flat. So yeah, you can see for quite some distance. You guys are effectively stopped like just over a rise. You're like hunkered down behind it, using the snow drifts to like add to your cover. I'm not saying it's impossible to sneak up on the guy, but like. A normal person wouldn't be sneaking up on him. You'd need to have some like serious, like sneakery skills. But are we sort of above at the moment? Is there like an overhang down to the beach? You're sort of like a little bit further back. There is an overhang on the cave because the cave sort of goes into the goes into the earth, so you could potentially come at it from that angle. But again, especially with there, there being a lot of snow underfoot, which obviously like makes that sort of like crumping noise, you know, when you walk through it, it's very difficult to move quietly at the moment, like, without obviously like special skills or whatever. Yeah, I want to walk away from this lot using my move silently to see what kind of noise I'm making. Okay, make your move silently, roll. There you go. Okay, it's not come up on my screen. It ain't come up here either. Ah, right, it has popped up on my uh, my GM screen there. Oh. Okay, so as you're as you're sort of moving away, there is a very faint like. <sighs> Underfoot as you're moving away. Now it's not impossible that now you know that you could manage to like move without making that noise. It will be quite difficult then. I guess the only other alternative is to get into a position where we can all see him and sort of 
try the range attack approach with what we've got all at sort of once. What's his view into the cave way? Can people see him from the cave map, for example? You think probably yes, because obviously that, that's where the majority of the light would be coming from. Because that's where I'd put another sentry. Yeah. It would definitely be possible for some... I mean, obviously you don't know the layout of the cave once you're inside, but assuming it's not sort of like janky like tunnels, then yeah, someone inside would be able to see him. Probably like slightly silhouetted because of the light versus the darkness of the cave. But yeah, they would be able to see him. Okay. Drunken Sailor Act allow us to get closer to the walking up the beach singing the songs. Okay, well, I'm going to quickly nip and use the facilities. So you guys decide what you want to do, but then when I come back, we'll crack on with it. I guess the only other option is some sort of noise or something to try and draw him a bit further away to investigate, but I don't have to fall for that either, to be honest. Well, you've got to get to the other side as well. Mm. Well, I just meant get him far enough that maybe he wouldn't be noticed if we jumped him. They wouldn't see him from the cave, sort of thing. Yeah, I wonder if the deception is the way to go, because Weimar does have a wooden leg and would potentially look... <laughs> quite pirate-like. Um, you put one of his <clears throat> eyes out. Well, we could just put a patch on it. wouldn't necessarily have to cut his eye. How are you? Yeah, but we've got, we've got to make it authentic. And it's, it's got to look good. Um, <laughs> or else we just shoot him and go loud and see what comes out. I mean, you could try. You could try it with backup of, you know, range attacks. I guess. Do you think anyone's likely to fall for it? I mean, you guys know these pirates better than. I have a word thief to thief, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you could try just to, yeah. Almost a friendly thief approach, I guess. Looking for work, maybe? Selling information. Might be worth a try. You could say you followed followed them from Deer Sun. So it Give it a bit of authentic sort of chat. Okay, the so other problem is, I mean, you all think, as far as I can tell, that these pirates hired the assassins. They put up the bounty anyway. Yes, so we're going to have to figure out relatively quickly if they're already aware of our faces. How dark is it, John? It's not very dark at all. It's like early morning, so it's it's not fully daylight yet, but it's it's pretty bright, especially because of the light reflecting off the snow on the ground. The other option is we go back along the cliff top and see if there's another way down on the other side, and then we can assess that situation. Was Quintin involved when we sort of? 
had the run-in with the pirates and that was it was he with us at that point so if anyone was less likely to be sort of known it would be him wouldn't it in that sense if they have got sort of pictures or images of us that makes sense have but... we got any room Oof. I'm guessing we'd have enough rations that we could say we had a bottle of can I ask brother Lomas to <laughs> give like his, his ghost <laughs> rises from the dead here's some meat <laughs> Yeah, I'd be. I mean, possibly not rum, but you'd be able to say that you've got some sort of like hooch or like booze in your rations. That's fine. Okay, give me the bottle. There you go. I'll be right back. And I guess we'll be spreading out with our. Range yeah, weapons in case it goes. You definitely want to have a as best of view as possible to see if it yeah goes sideways. Okay, so Quentin, how do you approach this pirate? With purpose. Okay, so you just like striding up to him. Yeah, I was going to stride down the beach. Okay. As you start striding towards him, let me make a quick uh, reaction roll for him. Okay. So, as you start striding down the beach towards him, you see him, he obviously clocks you, you see like his pipe drops out of his hand into the snow with like a and goes out. You see him sort of like reach back to his pistol that's on his belt and you see that he turn, he doesn't say anything but he's obviously like watching you approach like with his gun sort of ready to go. I'll just hold out my hands with the bottle in it. He, he sort of like he takes the gun out of his belt but he's like he's not like pointing it at you, he's just sort of like holding it there, like ready in case he needs it. He looks at you and he's like Identify yourself Quentin. You see like he looks a bit thoughtful for a few moments and then he's like And who do you sail with? Me, hey, I'm from the land, mate. He's like, and what business have you got here, Quentin? Honestly, I'm just passing through because I've encountered some hostiles up there. It's a bit easier to see people on a beach. He doesn't take his hand off his gun, but he nods. Look, I'll give you a bottle if I can just pass through. He says, aye, but put, put, put the bottle down there. And he sort of gestures with his gun at like a point near your feet. And then he's like, and then go on, get about your business. Cheers, fella. Can I see anybody else in the range? No. You can see, however, like the the cave is like dark beyond him, and so like you can't really see much of the inside of the cave. But you can't see any like torches or lanterns or anything like that that might suggest someone's waiting just inside the passageway. 
Just out of curiosity, before I do pass on through, though, how do I get to sail with one of you guys? As you say that, he sort of like he chuckles under his breath, and he says, uh, "He says, well, there's a few ways someone ends up sailing with a with our crew. Either your ship gets taken, and you're given the choice of going overboard into the locker or serving aboard, or well." Let's just say maybe you're on the run from some people. Maybe you've done some things you, you're not particularly proud of. And, wow, well, there's worse life than the pirate's life. That's the problem. I'm always proud of what I do. He says, either way, the the final decision lays with the captain or whatever vessel you, you're looking to stay on. Uh, is the captain around? Or... I saw a ship sailing off earlier, so I, I assumed... He says, no, the, the captain's not here. They ain't got time to be bothering themselves with uh, the likes of this. they got other things to be doing. That's a fair cut. Uh, you know, what can you do? He nods. Oh, cheers, fella. I'm on my way through. All right. You can see, like, as you're sort of heading past, he's like watching you as, you, as you're sort of going. Yeah, I'll just keep on moseying down until I can get to a bankment to climb up. Yep, you, you climb up presumably and circle back round and rejoin the others. That's it, yep. Yep, that happens with no problems. Uh, you guys who've been watching this, you see this pirate watches Quentin until he like disappears out of sight around the embankment. And then you see him like walk slowly over and he picks up the... It's like bends down, still with like, one hand on his gun, like, picks up this bottle... That Quentin left on the beach. He walks and sits back down on the the crate. You see him like thump, pop the cork off it, takes a sniff of it, takes a swig of it, and then he just puts it down by the crate that he's sat on. I think we need to invest in some sort of poison or uh, something we can put. Yeah, something we can put into a drink for the future. So what do we think? Well, you can't really see into the cave mouth, but I assume people in there be able to see out. Would they... I'm on the beach and the captain's not there. But would they sit in the dark? That sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? You'd have thought they'd have, uh, have some sort of light in if they were within sight, I meant. Perhaps they're deeper in the cave and it's... You know, they're out of sight. To go. Yeah, but if you're looking outside out to the cave, then at the moment plenty of sunlight. Yeah, but they'd still be sitting in the dark if you couldn't see them. May go around corners or around if you don't know. <laughs> don't know how deep a cave it is. Yeah, well that's what I meant. I just wondered if they were deeper in the cave and they had light. Mm. And he's not actually in view of the others. But it's hard, hard to say, but the other option is you wait till nightfall and then you can do a lot more in the dark. Yeah. I guess we could also monitor to see if they come or go or if they split up or if the boat comes back or anything could happen. 
whether they change the guard as well. I guess. If they don't change the guard, there's not really much in there. It'll already be on that boat. But from the footprints, it looked like they were carrying something heavy in there. Which they didn't bring out, so. So if you guys are waiting to see if they change the guard, how long are you waiting for? Do we think we should just have Adam? I think just you a... think we should just have at them. Yeah. I say wait till nightfall, shift the first one in the neck and then go into the mat cave. He's not going to scream if he's got a knife in his throat, is he? Okay, so we'll hang around for the day until it gets dark, and then... Okay. So you hang around until nightfall. You do see one change of the guard. Another man, similarly attired, comes out of the cave. You see like a little bit of a, an exchange of words between them. You can't really hear what's being said at the distance you're at. Then the, the guy you spoke to, Quentin, gets up and he heads off into the cave... The other fella takes his place again, similarly armed, like pistol, sort of a small, like a short sword hanging off the other side of his belt. Sits down on this crate and takes up his duty, watching as we start moving into twilight and the light starts to fade. Did the guy that walked out of the cave? Did he have a torch or anything out of interest? Nope. No. Hmm. It continues to get darker. We're now sort of like into night proper as time passes. You see that the the fellows sat there on guard. He basically he on the beach just out of like bits of wood and like brushwood. He builds like a very small fire. You see him take out like a flint and steel and he like lights it. And there's like a little sort of dim amber pool of radiance around him as he lights this very small sort of campfire. What's the tide like? The the tides the tides are fairly far out at the moment. How much snow's on the uh, now exposed wet beach? Not a great deal on the beach because obviously it's wet. Yeah. Well, there's there's a point of entry then. We can get further down the beach using the tide tidal area yeah there's certainly more of the beach like revealed now than there was earlier on and then get kind of behind him so you're going to stand a better chance at being prepared when i stab him in the neck yeah i mean if we can get closer and be at his level then we'd be able to get in there quicker if that's now an option well, yes, there's not so much snow on the, the exposed beach. Okay, so we'll go down onto the beach and then go around past them. Okay. Is that the plan? And then you walk up to him and when you do, we'll be 
nearby? Yeah. Okay. Because we need to kill him quickly. Yes. Oh, definitely. Okay, so using the darkness, you guys sort of creep further down onto the, the part of the beach that's now been revealed because of the tide going out. And what do you do then, Quinton? Uh, I'm going to move silently, or as silently as I can, and hide in the shadows. Okay, make your move silently roll. Yep. Okay, yep, so luckily for you, because obviously this guy's sort of been like looking into the fire, you managed to get fairly near to him before he spots you. However, as you're maybe like 40 feet away, you see his sort of like his eyebrows raise as he's obviously like clocked you like from across the fire. And you see he starts to like get to his feet and he's like pulling his gun out of his belt. As soon as he starts to move for his gun, I'm going to throw my knife. Yep, go for it. Fourteen. Okay, that is a hit. It's not enough to kill him, however. So I just want to stick it in his hand or something. Just really inconvenience him for a second. Yep, yeah, no, are you going for like the hand that was going for the gun or? I'll go for the hand that's going for the gun, definitely, because that's his shooting hand. Yep, yeah, you stab, you basically like lunge over this like small fire, sort of emerging out of the smoke and flames, stab this small knife through his hand. He lets out a loud shriek of pain as your knife like, passes through his hand. The gun clatters uselessly to the snow. At his feet. As he's have... sh- Sorry, go ahead, John. No, I was going to say he's literally just sort of like falling backwards, like screaming with his knife in his hand. His gun's on the floor. Um, could we have shot him at the same time he was going for his gun, and we see the knife is strong? Yep, go for it. Effectively, you guys are doing a surprise round, so. Ten. Uh, it's not enough, I'm afraid. So, as he's sort of like falling back with his... Uh, I presume it's your bow you're firing. Yes. As he's sort of falling back with his knife through his hand, suddenly from behind you, Quentin, there's a... And an arrow goes like... Ding, into the wooden crate that he was sat on. I've got 14 for one damage. Okay, is that with your pistol? Uh, no, longbow. Okay, so again, there's another... At the same, almost the same time, there's another... And an arrow like sticks into his leg. He fully like falls onto the ground now, like his hands bleeding, his legs bleeding. I'll slice his throat quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I launch my spear, but I assume that's off, yeah. off target. As you're as you're moving in to slit his throat, there's a thung, and like a big like, ice walker spear <laughs> like sticks into the ground, like literally like there next to his head. He's like Aah! As he's trying to like uselessly with his like good hand like pull this arrow out of his leg, because his other hand's like useless. It's just like blood pouring out of it. Okay, Quentin. I'll slice his throat. Go for it. 
No, that's not going to hit. Okay. So, so I'm going to say, like, you're not going to miss him because he's effectively, like, prone. So you will kill him if that's your intent by slicing his throat. Intent, yeah. However, yeah. because you failed on your roll, you're not quick enough to kill him that he's not able to, like, scream out again. Like, so obviously, you're presumably going for the, like, the... Yeah. Slit the old throat. He basically gets out, like, a really loud scream and then you're... And he falls limply to the ground. At which point I will vanish into the shadows. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm going to try and take a position like just to the side of the cave entrance with my sword out in case someone comes running out, basically. Okay. So you all wait for a few minutes and there's no sign of anyone emerging from the cave. Hmm. Right, I'll, I'll go back and start dragging the body away. Yeah, that's fine. It's not difficult to do. You drag the body away. And we've got a... Who wants a pistol? Can anyone use a pistol? I mean, it... I, I could I could take another one. Oh, that's true. You could have two, so you could... Well, I could get your Okay, that's not a problem. Yeah, so he's loading, doesn't it? So let me just slap a... a second pistol down for... Why not? Does he have some sort of a cutlass or something that quite pirate shaped? Effectively, he has a short sword, but it is like okay. more of your sort of cutlass like style. Okay. I'll just pick it up because it may be useful for disguises down the line. Um. Drop a, a short sword onto your thing. I will quickly rename it Pirate Short Sword. There we go. So, st standing next to the cave entrance, is there any sort of sound coming out out of the cave front? No sign of light, anything at all? No, you don't hear any or see any signs of activity. Maybe this cave is bigger than we first thought. Could be, but we should put this fire out. I'll start throwing sand on the fire. Yeah, absolutely fine, not a problem. You quickly put the, the fire out. How far can we see into the cave by sort of the moonlight and you can see, you can see maybe like sixty feet into the cave. You can see that there's a the sort of floor dips down a little bit shallowly, and there's like maybe a an inch or two of sort of semi stagnant water on there. Presumably, when the tide's really high, like water like flushes into the caves and it sort of gathers in the recesses. So. Like I said, there's like an inch or two of like this water on the sort of like 40, 50 feet you can see into the cave. Do we want to creep in? I can creep in. Yeah. Yeah, why don't you creep in 50 or 60 feet and see what you can see? 
Alright. Okay. <coughs> so let me put you on the map and I'll bring up the the map so you can have a look. Are you carrying any sort of light source yourself? No, I'm just relying on natural low vision. Okay, no problems. I also have hair noises, so hopefully I'll be able to. Yeah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop the, I'm going to drop the rest of you near the entrance. I know some of you have got like torches sort of set up on your. Uh, your character sheet, but don't worry too much about that. It's basically just so it doesn't go all like black for you all when activating the map. Okay, so hopefully you can all see that map. Yep. Okay. It's still on for me. No problems. We'll give it a few moments. T to be fair, after the earlier technical problems, I'm quite happy with just like it's a bit slow loading. T to be honest, I was worried at one point we weren't actually going to get into the game at all. So, Okay, so Quentin, you're obviously out of the cave mouth. Obviously, there's the light that's cast by the other people whose tokens have got torches set up on them. But yeah. we can just assume that's like the natural like moonlight or whatever. That's fine. What do you want to do? I'm going to go there. Okay. Basically, every time I creep forward a bit, I'm going to see what I can see. Yeah, so so as you're moving in it's very dark in here you're you're moving quite slowly so as not to cause undue splashing like i say there's this this small sort of a inches that layer of water that's collected yeah. in the um the passageways you can see their natural passageways obviously perhaps formed by erosion or something similar it's not man-made it's extremely dark given there's not much light aside from the pale moonlight outside you can see there's like bits of seaweed sort of clinging to the floor in here. So you think your suspicion about it being flooded on a sort of tidal basis is probably accurate. Yeah, so there's going to be a higher point somewhere. Indeed. And as you're sort of heading in, you do notice that the, uh, the cave is like very slowly sort of like sloping upwards a little bit. It's very slight. Yeah. you wander into what appears to be a, a sort of a smaller sort of sub cavern off to the side you know you're having to like feel your way around the walls they're very sort of rough rocky sort of craggy walls although in certain places you like lower down where the water action has been sort of more regular they're a bit more smooth as the water has like eroded the walls somewhat yeah
I assume at this point I can barely see anything at all. Yeah. Your vision is extremely low because you've got no like, light source or anything. You're, you're literally sort of like groping around in the dark and sort of like, and then you touch a wall like where you are now and you're like, right, okay, so that's obviously the wall of this, of this yeah. cabin. And again, I assume that's pitch black now. Yeah. You you notice from like obviously you're being as quiet as you possibly can, but there's yeah. still like a few echoes from your the soft light splashing of your footfalls, and you can tell from like the echoes as you sort of like pause and you listen that it must be quite a big cave. Yeah. And you think it's probably going to be like, I mean, once you get out of this sort of corridor you're in it's probably going to be very difficult to navigate without any light at all and obviously there could be sudden dips in the ground there could be like sinkholes almost anything that like, you yeah. won't see until you're on top of it that's it so that, that at that point i'll just slowly exit the cave back to the group yeah no problems so quentin like disappears inside the cave he's like, swallowed up by the darkness there's a little bit of like splashing and a few sort of echoes, and then a few moments later he comes like very sort of carefully like making his way back out of the the cave mouth. All right, there's there's a smaller cave to your right as you're going in. I couldn't tell you how deep it is, but I imagine it's not going to be a very big inlet. Uh, the larger cavern is to the left, but I can't see anything in there. There's no light at all. So either these guys are up into the ether or um, they've got extremely good night vision. Should I go for a look or do you want to go back with a torch or a lantern? Um, I was just wondering because Brock's quite a silent type. He's got moves silently as well. Probably not as good, but I could carry a torch with Quintin sort of on the edge of the torchlight ahead of me. Maybe sort of move move down a corridor to sort of try and or not give off as obvious a sign as carrying it yourself, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I get you. But then you're going to be the target. Yeah, well, if they if they need light, we're going to see them as soon as they see us. I would hope. Um, they don't but, seem to though. I mean, this guy. I mean, the body. Yeah. He looked human, didn't he? He didn't. Yeah. There was no sort of strange, strange thing that we would think that they'd be able to see in the dark or anything. There's certainly no indications of that. Yeah. I say he looked just like a normal human. And when we encountered them in the other hideaway, they had torches, didn't they? Yeah, they had lanterns set up on poles yeah. throughout the cave. So the op option is to investigate with a light source or once again wait it out. Well, I can, I can explore without a light source. Yeah, but then you'd be on your own. 
and uh, I've seen you in better shape, if you don't mind me saying, Malcolm. It's true. But I can be super discreet this time. The problem is, in the dark, there's, there's lots of things you can fall into. If they've trapped it, you know, you're going to walk into a trap because you can't see. Yeah, I mean, Quentin's absolutely right. And even if they've not trapped it, there could be like all manner of like natural hazards, uneven ground. Lord only knows what in there like, that you could stumble into or you could just, let's face it, if you look at like the most ridiculous example, you could just like trip over a rock and like bash your head. But what's, what's Malcolm's like dark vision-y sight like? Sixty foot of dark vision or thirty foot. So I mean, he's definitely got the advantage over them. We think. And like I say, I'm happy to back you up uh, further away. You know, if we keep distance. Yeah, Mal Malcolm's got effectively like dark slash low light vision up to like 60 feet okay like I say it's that or wait till the morning it's already the morning well well yeah. we've gone past the darkest part and there's not going to be much light in there it t twists off down a corridor and round a corner well, let me walk in as far as the corner and have a quick peek and then see okay okay well I, i'm gonna light a torch and just at least standing in the in the entrance so i can yeah. react if something happens that's fine there's already one sat up on your token so i'm gonna basically stand here okay so that's just an alcove here. Okay, so it's five foot squares, ten foot squares, Sean. They're five foot squares. The five foot squares, okay, so Yep, so as you're moving in, as Quentin said, there's the small sort of sub cavern on your right as you move in then it seems to open up into a much larger cavern that's sort of subdivided by large rocky outcroppings one of which you're making your way around at the moment okay and then can i looking at the tracks can i see where the second century went unfortunately you can't see any tracks in here because of like the layer of water and it's rocky ground in here okay so they're not really like leaving tracks like they were outside on the snow and on the sand of the beach Okay, and can I hear anything in here at all? You can hear the occasional sort of swishing and splashing of the water, sort of echoing around the cave. You don't really hear any like obvious signs of anything else, though, anything unexpected. Okay.
What's the, is, can I see something at the end of this passageway here, Jean? It, it appears to be a, a wall, like a cavern wall that you can see. Okay. However, as you're sort of moving around, you do actually, you hear a faint splashing sound coming from, if I can click it, this direction. Okay. From just around like the rocky outcropping that you're sort of making your way around. Okay, so I will head back to the party and explain that the passageway splits in half. I've heard something splashing on the left-hand side or some splashing on the left-hand side. Um, and then that I haven't been down on the right either. Um, let's see whether we should try and attract the attention of whatever is splashing and then lure it out. Um, or whether we should check the right-hand passage or whether we should light torches and all kind of come in and work our way through it. Well, I think we're at the point where we just need to light the torches and crack on. Yeah, I mean, I've got my torch lit there. Okay, so why don't we light our torches then and we can approach this left-hand passage and see what was making the splashing sounds. Yep. Okay. I shall uh, use my spear in one hand then and me uh, torch in the other. Yeah, no shall, problems. I shall start to lead the, the group this way. I'll get a rough idea of where Malcolm said he saw how far up he heard the noise from. And... I, got, um, I got up to about here, and the noise, I think, was about here. That's okay. correct, yeah. So I'll, I'll be moving slowly, obviously, listening for that as I move up the corridor. See if I can hear anything similar. Okay, as you move up, you do indeed hear a slight splashing sound coming from the direction indicated by Malcolm. Absolutely no indication of what it might be. From the it noise. just sounds like water splashing. It doesn't seem to be getting nearer or further away. It's fairly consistent. Yeah. I'm going to try. Is there like a massive amount of water being displaced or a small amount of water being displaced? Uh, a fairly sort of small amount of water. I'm going to try and sort of hug the left hand side of that that um, corridor or. Okay. And try and sort of get an angle to see from as far away as I can what that noise might be. Okay, you can't see what seems to be causing the noise. You think it's coming from sort of further down this passageway here? The uh, branches off into a passageway to the south. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll continue to sort of hug, hug the left as much as I can until I get sight of it. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if I can see it yet. You've not seen anything untoward so far. Okay. Do I think I've got a clear line of sight down that? 
indeed passageway. as you're sort of looking down the passageway to the south you can see that the the floor of that passageway the sort of ground seems to slope down in that area and you can see from the color of the water that it's getting like progressively deeper as the as the pathway sort of sloping downwards so it's just running water is it basically that's making the noise you suspect with your knowledge of uh, nature and the, the natural world in Malkonen that perhaps the it slopes down into perhaps another cave and maybe there's like a sort of natural pool of some sort of formed in there like a deeper water pool okay um, and can I well I guess that's making a bit of noise so I'm going to move forward a bit over this direction and, and try and listen and see if I can see anything Okay, roll me a d6. A two. Okay, you don't you don't hear anything else untowards. Either as you're getting to the the sort of turn of this passageway that you're heading down, from sort of somewhere around it to the north, you there's a very faint sort of smell like burning oil, sort of wafting down the the passageway from the north. Hmm. Okay. Most people the... would have missed it, but obviously you're used to like hunting and picking up on this sort of thing. And do I is the water level in this bit of the corridor similar to what we've encountered so far? This corridor continues to slope upwards slightly, so the water's slightly, getting like, yeah. shallower. Okay. Um, okay, I'm just going to rest my torch down. Okay. And then just like sort of move round corner to see if i can see any light in the distance okay as you sort of set your torch down and you peer around the corner you can actually see a, a dull flickering light sort of coming from further to the north from up here and sort of how, how far up i mean roughly you think there's probably some sort of light source maybe 30 40 foot to the west of where i've just uh yeah tagged Okay. Well, I shall relay that information to the group before uh, proceeding. Let Malcolm go. He'll be able to get closer without shining too much light on it. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold on this corner here and just yeah, see if Malcolm can get a, an eyeball. Okay. So... Okay. Can I see into that cave? You can indeed. You can just make out sort of like narrowly what appears to be a sandy cave. You can see the edge of a, some wooden crates and what looks to be like figures crouched behind it. However, before you have time to relay that to your companions, a shot rings out from this direction okay does a 17 hit you no okay so there's a loud <laughs> smoke billows out into the corridor you're in briefly obscuring your vision you feel something whistle up past your left ear and there's like a <coughs> as 
as a metal shot hits the wall behind you, dislodging several fragments of stone that splash into the ground. Okay, and can I see who shot at me? Not from your current vantage point. You suspect it's someone sort of lurking around here. I mean, you can quite clearly see there's a light in this corridor, but also okay. you're just sort of like peeping around the corner, so they're obviously like tucked into the wall. Okay. And what do I see up here? It appears to be a cavern wall. Okay. So on the assumption that everyone else heard the... Yeah, you will have all definitely heard that. And then are coming to save me. I will sprint into this corner here. And I will try and shoot this guy. Okay, go for it. You can't see him then. I moved. Okay. Yeah, that's a 19 for three points of damage. Okay, you shoot an arrow dead centre into this guy's chest. He collapses backwards into the water with a cry. You can see him sort of feebly sort of moving around, but he's obviously not looking too clever. You can see like blood spilling out from the wound that you've inflicted on him, sort of mingling and clouding in the shallow water around him. Okay, Brock, what about you? So, can I see that um, Malcolm's in a sort of lit-up area? Yeah. He is on the... Yeah. So, I'll pick up the torch then, and I will head up to basically make sure he's all right. Um... Oh, so is that figure still... He's still yeah. yeah, he's, bas- he's basically well. sort of like feebly trying to like push himself into a sitting position whilst trying to like pull the arrow. You can see like he's obviously like dropped his gun. He's got like a, one of Malcolm's arrows like sticking out of his chest. He's gone very pale. His blood's just like pissing out into the water, which is quite shallow here. So the water around him has just turned entirely like dark red. Okay. Uh yeah, so Malcolm sort of ducked into that little alcove. Uh, how far have I moved? One, two, three. Yeah, so I can only go another square. So, yeah, I'll just uh, sort of take a defensive position in front of Malcolm. Okay. Um, that's about all I can move. Okay, Quentin. Obviously, you've seen Malcolm sort of run up into this lit passageway to the north. He's fired off an arrow. There's been a scream. There's been a shot. Brock's run up and sort of like got his spear. He's like positioned himself in front of Malcolm. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to start blending in with the shadows where I am. Okay, make a hiding shadows roll. Okay. Right, Weimar and Bullseye, what are you doing? Slowly going deaf from the echoes of the the gunfire, but... Indeed, and you recognise the foul, acrid smell of black powder, which is now, like, wafting through this cavern. Is Is it good quality or is it bad quality? Is it dank? 
<laughs> it's it's pretty dank. I'm not going to lie to you. It's it's not like the sort of military grade that you've been like used to. That no. you can you can tell from the smell of it that it's probably not been kept under particularly good condition. So it's got that sort of almost like damp animal hair sort of smell to it that you associate with powder that's been stored in poor conditions, like on a ship or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to disentangle my my token. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay, <laughs> I was moving as 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 one, and uh, turns out the selection is very permanent <laughs> in in this one. So um, we're gonna move around. I think I can get about there. Okay, and then, well, uh, Wolfie is going to. The problem is I'm I'm slower. So, I guess yeah. Basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna take out my um, longbow, prepare to shoot. Bullseye is gonna have um, shield and axe at the ready. Okay. All right. So we go on to the NPCs. So this guy here is already injured. He's basically gonna like drag himself a short distance in that direction. It's pretty much all he can really do at the minute. However, these two guys here, sort of crouching down behind these crates, they are going to fire at Brock, because he's the only one that can really see it. So, first one. Okay, so this first guy like pulls out his uh, pulls out his pistol, aims it at Brock, getting ready to fire it. However, as we've said, they've obviously not been keeping their gunpowder under particularly good conditions. It's been in this dank, damp cave after all. And as he like, squeezes the trigger of his black powder pistol, all that happens is it goes, and a little weak wisp of smoke comes up as it misfires. Second one also pulls out his pistol, aims it, and again there's a weak and a tiny bit of acrid smoke just wisps out the end of his pistol. There is a lot of swearing that echoes throughout the cave, as you see from your vantage point, right? You see these two sort of like pirates throwing down these pistols on the floor in disgust and they start to like drawing their their cutlasses okay yep. it's back over to you guys brock um so i can see two at, well i can't quite but there are two of them yeah okay well i shall move up uh, using the, the wall as a bit of cover. I'm, I'm going to try and stick this guy with my spear that I've already got out. I'm not even going to ask you to make a roll for that. He's got like one hit point left and he's like on the floor. So yeah, you stab your spear through him as he's trying to drag himself further in the cave and he's like <coughs> and then just lies still in the water. Okay. Um, yep. And uh, I shall just move to there with my last sort of five foot just to 
shine enough light that everyone can see. Okay. If there was any lack of light. Malcolm. Okay, so I want to come out of my alcove. Uh, and when I do, I can see this guy. So I will have a pop at him. Okay, he will get a slight bonus to his AC because he's like crouched down behind these crates. Okay. Uh, so that's 20 for three points. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not got that big a bonus. <laughs> okay, so I imagine like, as this guy's sort of, like, drawing his cutlass and he's like popping up from behind these crates, presumably planning on charging towards Brock now. His pistol's proved useless. You put an arrow through his shoulder and he drops back down behind the crates out of sight. Okay, and then I will just move up to here with the rest of my movement. Okay. Weimar on Wolf's Eye. The yeah. office formerly known as Bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> he will henceforth be represented by like the silhouette of a of a tooth. Um uh, so I'm gonna continue waddling along. Okay. Stepping here, seeing that this person is dead now. John, is this a, a thing that obscures vision? No, it's just a shadow cast by the, the rock. Yeah. yeah, okay. So I, I can see this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They're getting shot then. That's fine. In in that case. Um Oh, did I I hmm okay. Let me go fetch my sheet because I, I managed to close that one. Uh okay, here we go. Longbow. There we go. Praise Gale. Nice. Nice. Okay, were you shooting at the one that was already injured? Yeah, I, I can only see that one. Yep, so as he's as he's sort of fallen back and he's trying to drag himself behind the crates, like back into the fullness of cover, you put an arrow into his midriff, he lets out a cry, his body spasms for a few moments, and then he lies still. Yep, and because um, that was one, uh, two, three. I'll hold there, and Wolfside is gonna. Oh, is gonna come right there. Okay, Quentin, what are you up to? Standing in the dark at the minute. Um, I'll move to there. Okay, you start edging forward into the illuminated corridor and now that you're all in there you can see that the the guy who sort of was the first one to die the one sort of lying dead in front of you guys was carrying a lantern but obviously now it's gone out because it's in the water you can also see that on one of these crates there's another lantern which is what's providing the light in the cave okay so Onto the NPCs. So this guy's going to move to here. He's used his pistol already, so there's two firing pistols. I'll do one at Malcolm and one at Brock. So the one at Malcolm. Nah. Okay, the one at Brock. Fifteen enough to hit you, Brock? Uh, no, seventeen. 
Okay, so two loud pistol shots ring out, and again, horrible, foul-smelling smoke fills the cavern briefly as these two pirates sort of like pop up briefly from just a little bit above their crates and fire these flintlock pistols off as loud <coughs> and this horrible foul sort of brimstone like smell of the gunpowder there's various bits of like chunks of stone are like blown out of the walls around you and fall into the water with several loud splashes however neither of you are hit okay good stuff Brock um it, this, this, these walls either side of me. Is there anywhere I can just slot this torch in? Not really at this point. No. no. Okay. Well, I shall. Uh, I should just continue forward with it then. Uh, I'm not sure how much light you think other people you, are relying on. You think once you get into like the sandy cavern, you could set it down because that appears to be like largely out of the water because it's continued to slope upwards. But at the minute, there's not really any way you can, like, in these slick, sort of slippery cavern walls, you can slot a torch in. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so I'm just going to move forward. Um, and at this point, I'm just going to launch my spear at one of these guys directly ahead of me. Okay, go for it. Um, oh, wrong one. There we go. Oh God! <laughs> okay, you throw your spear, and it it sort of sails towards the crates. As it does so, it actually hits the crate, knocking the lantern off it. There's a loud and the the light in the cavern dims as it goes out. Good one, Brock. Okay, Malcolm. Okay, so I will move forward one. Um, uh, okay, so I want to just shoot at this one here. Okay. Eleven. Okay, you fire an arrow. It's at the last moment the pirate drops down behind the crate and the arrow thuds into the wooden crate. Okay, what I want to do then is to move the rest of my movements to there. Okay. Uh, and then I want to try and, because I'm guessing they can't see in the dark, I'm trying to quite close against the wall, trying to hide myself. Yep, you, if you've got any sort of skill that's applicable to that, you can make a roll for that. Uh, I have a surprise attack. Ooh. Yeah, not so much. Okay. Right, so Quentin, you're lurking around in the shadows at the back of the corridor. Obviously, you've seen all of this going on. What, what are you up to? I'm going to move further into this cavern so I can actually see. Yep. And continue moving around the wall when it lets me. There we go. I think that's why more you're moving. Is that why more? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. There we are. 
Okay, yeah, so as you can see further into the corridor, mainly by the light of Brock's torch, to be honest, you can see there's like three of these pirates huddled behind these crates, sort of still fighting. Brock's moving down one of these like narrow channels. He's just thrown his spear, he's holding a torch. Harp sort of blending into the darkness down the the other channel to the south. Obviously, Weimar and uh, Wolf's Eye are sort of right next to you. Speaking of, what are Weimar and Wolf's Eye up to? Well... I'm thinking probably going to take another shot here from my current position. This one, longboat. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Oh. Okay, so as this pirate is sort of leaping over the the crate, the sword drawn, looks like he's getting ready to charge Brock. Your arrow sort of hits him just as he's leaping over the crate and he collapses over the top of it, seemingly dead. And Wolf's Eye is going to sling out his his bow because our situation is is materially changed now so he's going to take a shot at the other one that we can see over there okay and here we go that's a miss <laughs> would have been a good hit though yeah he fires an arrow and it thunks into the ground a few feet short of its target okay onto the npcs so this guy leaps over the crate, his cutlass drawn, and charges towards Brock. This guy does likewise towards Malcolm, both wielding short swords. So the one attacking Brock. That's six damage for a 16 to hit. Um, 17. Okay, so he swings his cutlass at you in wild, almost desperate swings as he wades into this shallow water. Without your spear, you're forced to use like your torch to like block his blows and fend him off, which sends this whole sort of strange like, strobing effect of this amber light throughout the cavern and the passageway that the rest of you are in as Brock's like, waving this torch around and trying to like, force this guy away. But he doesn't manage to land a blow on you. Hit the guy attacking Malcolm, sort of screaming as he runs in with his cutlass. Which you effortlessly block Malcolm. You sort of block his cutlass, forcing it into the wall of the cave. There's a brief shower of sparks as your weapons meet and you like parry his blow. And then it grazes down the stone with like a <laughs> noise. Brock. Um, okay. Uh, can I maneuver around this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to try and basically just put this torch into the sand to give 
bit of light for the others. Yeah, that's fine. You just like sink it into the sand. That's not a problem. Obviously, I'm not going to move it off your token, but... No, I mean, yeah. I'm not really moving anyway. Yeah, so. exactly. It's not really yeah. a problem. But yeah, you've sunk it into the ground. The ground's quite sandy and sort of shale-like here, so it's quite easy. Do I get an opportunity to draw my weapon? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I shall unsheath my two-ended sword and then have at him. Okay. Fourteen. Okay, would you like to describe how you seemingly effortlessly with one deft blow of your double-handed sword end this pirate menace? Yeah, so obviously some embers or something have come off this torch as he was fighting me. So he's, he's sort of, he's trying to defend himself while still trying to brush off some of this. Uh, and I'll just catch him unaware. Uh, sword just comes straight out of the sheath straight into the like the sh shoulder blade of him and just cuts him deep enough that just uh, ends him basically indeed you slice diagonally through his shoulder and across his torso almost like splicing him in two as you sort of pull your blade free him sort of like still sort of like reaching out trying to grab hold of you he, he like falls to his knees and then sort of pitches forward in the shallow water and the sand which quickly turns red with his blood Okay, Malcolm. Hey. So, let me see how this goes. Uh, miss. Okay, <clears throat> yep. So, as you pull your weapon back, going in for a killing blow, as you do, again, he blocks it on his cutlass. And again, the area you're fighting in is like briefly illuminated from the sparks as your weapons meet, and you're sort of locked together, you know, both trying to push each other backwards and forwards, but neither really gaining any ground. Okay, Quentin. You're muted, Dave. Is that one still alive, then? Yes, he is, yeah. I assume that uh, Malcolm's in the way. Yeah, you can basically see the two of them sort of like struggling backwards and forwards as they're, they're sort of grabbing each other's arms and trying to like force each other away to get like a killing blow in on each other. But neither of them seems to have the upper hand at the minute as they're tussling backwards and forwards. Okay, I'll, I'll go up the right corridor then because I've got a chance of getting behind him somewhere. Okay. You start making your way down the other corridor. You can see Brock stood over the, the almost bisected body of this unfortunate pirate now lying in a, a pool of spreading red sand. Okay. Why more on Wolf's side? Uh, hmm. So, how's it going with Malcolm and, and the, it, the pirate? It, it's difficult to tell because they're, they're both sort of like up close to each other and they're doing that like trying to, trying to push each other back so they can get a, a telling blow on each other but they seem to be 
at least at the moment, sort of fairly evenly matched. You've heard like the the clash of their weapons as they've been fighting, but mm-hmm. neither of them seems able to like extricate themselves from long enough from this tussle to actually get a a blow in. Well, I can't really do much. Uh, but Bullseye is gonna be here. Lurking, uh, shield and, and axe at the ready. Okay. To back him up. Okay, so we go on to the NPC's turn. I'm just going to make a quick morale check for this guy since all of his mates have been killed. He's fine. Okay, so he's going to try and press his attack on Malcolm. Which he doesn't manage to do. The, the tussle continues. He's trying to basically force Malcolm off so he can like bring his sword round. Malcolm's just like grabbed hold of him. They're, they're almost like sort of locked together. What do you do, Malcolm? Hey. Oh, you're kidding me. The tussle, I missed again. The tussle continues. They, again, they they seem very evenly matched. Like neither of them seems to have gained the upper hand. Quentin, what are you doing? It's just sort of creeping around the other passageway. That's Brock. If you just move that, Quentin. You're muted, Dave. That should put me there at half speed. Yeah, you make your way round. You can see this this pirate and Malcolm locked in this grim sort of sword fight where neither of, occasionally one looks like he's got the upper hand, then the pirates win in, and then Malcolm sort of fights back, but neither of them seem to be gaining much ground. The pirate doesn't even seem to notice you because he's like okay, so gonna, locked gonna, in with Malcolm. I'm going to backstab him. Go for it. I don't have a rolling icon on my backstab. No, what you what you'll have to do is um, it gives you the option to like manually add like a plus to it, so you can just like type in your um, your plus when that box comes up. Okay, I think plus four. Yep. So It's an 11, so I think it's a miss. It is a miss, only by one, though. So you come in to shank him from behind, however, you get sort of like engulfed in this like whirling melee that's going on because swords are just like lashing out everywhere, and you actually have to like break off your attack to like block a couple of blows yourself. Well, they're not really aimed at you, it's just you're getting sort of caught in the melee, but the, the pirate is now aware you are there. That's fine. Okay, Brock. Um, I mean, is there is there room to get involved, or is it too tight? Not really at this point. No. Um, it's just shoved me out of the way you could get involved. Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm not exactly a big character. I'm just tall. 
yeah to, to be fair you are like a man mountain brock you could probably just easily just like push quentin to one side if you wanted to like wade in uh yeah i'll, I'll ne- negotiate a little bit of space then okay i'll just move quentin one square <laughs> down here to, to be fair quentin doesn't look that upset about it when you're like oh move aside I- i'll step into this whirling combat zone <laughs> okay That's looking more like it. Okay. Again, would you like to narrate how you dispatch the last of these pirates? Yeah, I mean, obviously, massively distracted with a fight with Malcolm. Um, he looks looks, looks away, and I come in with a two-handed sword and, and just shove it through him, and it comes out the other side, and Malcolm has to step back. As his sword <laughs> comes comes through his body towards him, indeed. and then I just draw it back out. Indeed, so Malcolm, you're fighting against this pirate. Neither of you gaining much ground. He pushes you back a little bit. You see him like raising his sword, and just he's about to come in for potentially a killing blow. Suddenly, his like eyes go wide, and then almost like an alien chest burst to start. Just this massive blade of a sword goes out of his chest from behind, and he's like. And he just sort of hangs there on the blade of Brock's double-handed sword for a few moments. Brock puts a foot on his back, pulls the sword out with like a <laughs> sound, and the body just crumples to the floor. Well done, Brock. You all look around for a few moments in case there are any other pirates lurking nearby. But after a few minutes... No further buccaneers appear to menace you. I'll obviously um, pick up my torch and put my sword away so we can get a good. Yeah, you pick up the spear as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll just start grabbing plunder. <laughs> okay, no problem. So you see, there's obviously these guys have been like here for a bit. There's like rations and a few other bits and pieces, none of which is in particularly sort of good nick, really. You start breaking open the crates, Quentin, and in a few of the crates, as you break them open, they're absolutely crammed almost to bursting with gold pieces, many of which are of a strange sort of design that you've not seen before. And then one of them, the one that your token's nearest, as you pop the lid off that, it's absolutely full of jewellery. Like encrusted with like gems and a very ornate looking designs, which you know, sort of a you know, sort of salesman, but it must be worth a tidy sum. Obviously, the the result of their ill gotten plundering days. There's your heavy cargo, lads. I think we brought a wagon. Well. Looks like we need to start lifting and loading. Yeah, probably pretty quick. Mm. Indeed, and I will tell you for convenience's sake, there is 8,000 gold pieces spread amongst the crate. And at a conservative estimate, you would estimate that this jewel is probably worth about 275,000 gold pieces. We'll just take the jewelry. Jesus. Because, like I say, it's literally a crate like full of jewelry. Or like encrusted with gems and gold and precious metals. If we take the jewellery first, 
we can come back for the gold if there's time. Yeah. How many crates of... There's just one crate of gems? Yeah, there's just one crate of gems and the rest has got like the gold sort of like spread between them. Okay. And let's take the body so it looks like they ran away with the gems and not that someone came and killed them and stole it. Well, we better hope the tide comes in first because the, the place... The tide, don't, yeah, the tide doesn't come in this way, though, right? It's, 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 yeah. It comes in some way, but... Yeah. Leave so, a few, make it look like they've had an argument. Yes, okay, that's the dash. So we leave half them, take half them away with the gems, and then we cover the tracks. Yeah. Um. If we make sure there's at least one or two bodies disappear, they can try and put together that they're the two that made it out with all the treasure, maybe. Yeah, and scatter the gold, so it looks like there was a fight over it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no problems. You can easily do that. Like I say, you, you seem to, at the minute, you seem to have plenty of time. There's no other pirates have appeared or anything like that. All right, let's get let's get to that plan quickly. Yeah, for very quickly. Yeah, no problem. So as the as the light of day starts to get stronger outside, you dispose of a few of the bodies. You obviously take the jaws and whatever gold you wish to take, and you like scatter like, a handful of coins around to like, make it. And you you smash a few things you know most of the weapons have already been discharged so you try to arrange it to make it look as much like some sort of fights broken out amongst the pirates as you can that's not a problem what do you do then i think get on the cart and move away isn't it yeah okay obviously someone enjoyed your plan <laughs> can't go wrong with a good feeding plan mate. no <laughs> and I guess we'll just be covering our tracks as we move along with the cart as well so that there's Indeed. no signs that's not a problem I'll move you back to the, the main map as you exit the inlet of carrying your ill-gotten gains to the the cart that's not a problem that was all fair and square <laughs> yeah you make it back out to the cart it's daylight outside there's still like a gentle flurry of snow falling you as you sort of look in the distance you can see that like the pirate ship still appears to be like sailing away into the distance beautiful obviously no like signal fires were lit no like alarm was raised they're certainly not going to have heard gunshots at the distance they're at so you seem to have got away with it for the moment. Well, now I suggest we put a bounty on their heads. <coughs> ah, the old double bounty gambit, eh? <laughs> and I also kind of struggle to pay for their bounty now. Especially when we're paying higher than for us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's the plan, guys? I guess we want to get our gems back to New Zealand as quickly as possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we've got enough to find a continent now. We should be okay. Okay, no problem. So you guys start heading back.
towards New Zealand. On your first day's travel, as you're returning from the hidden inlet, you've been traveling for about a day, you're just sort of setting up camp for the evening, when somewhere to the north you hear an incredibly loud and ear-piercing scream. So coming from just this like range of like foothills that appear to be like the northeast of you. Is that a, a noise we've we recognise or heard before? It, it, it sounded like a person screaming. Oh right, okay. You've you've probably heard that sort of noise before. Oh yeah, I've heard loads of those. Given your propensity for like chopping people in <laughs> half with a double-handed sword, <laughs> you've undoubtedly heard people screaming before. Oh yeah. Um, how far away do we think it is? Maybe a mile, half a mile. Hmm. Not very far. It's, it's a bit far, all right. We, we probably don't want to be going that far out of the way. Can Can you tell if? Did you say it was a male or female sort of voice, or can't you tell? It sounded to you like a, a male voice. Okay. I mean, we don't know anything of anything in that area, do we? I'm guessing not. No, I mean, there's nothing we've located. With things flying about again. I guess if we didn't have the treasure, we would definitely go, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would. I, yeah, we, we we are we have some momentum here. Um, I think to bank this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Unless Malcolm, you want to take a or, or Quentin, if you want to go take a look. Why don't Brock and I go and take a look, and you stay here with Bullseye and Quentin? Fine. And oh, just remember um, that we follow tracks if you decide to move away without. Mm -hmm. Or we could just go and, you know, bank the treasure. Yep, entirely up to you. You're the ones that would be going. Yeah, see, I, I'm worried that it's uh, ice walkers or something in danger. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to go on my own and you continue. No, I'll go with you. It's only a mile away. The guys are settling in for the night. We'll be back by dawn and we can spend the day sleeping on the cart. Okay. So, Brock and Malcolm, you begin heading in the, the direction of the scream. As you continue moving, so roughly just over half a mile away, as you sort of start getting into like the, the sort of narrower, sort of slighter part of these foothills, from just beyond a shallow hill, you spot what appears to be smoke rising, a thin wisp of smoke like you might see from a chimney or something similar. Any more noise since that initial no. screen? We just—I think we just use the foothills and that as best as possible to cover our approach. Then, 
Okay, so as you continue sort of making your way through the hills, eventually you see what appears to be a small hut, like a chimney, like the wisps of smoke coming out of it. And as you're sort of like, as you're moving a little bit closer, being very careful, of course, you can see what appears to be like, there's like a lot of like fishing equipment, like nets, fishing rods, etc., like leaning up on the outside of the hut. There's probably a few fish sort of like drying in the air. So with like a tarp over them to like keep the snow off them and you can see through like the smaller hole in like the wall of the the hut that would pass for like a window in these difficult times you can just see like the amber flickering glow of a light source perhaps a lantern from inside the hut is there any tracks you can see there's some tracks around like a single set of tracks like around the hut like someone's come out and has been moving about they appear to be normal like human sized tracks I mean this this scream was it like uh, could you tell was it like fear or was it sort of an anger was any way it, 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 of... it almost sounded like a scream of pain rather than like of anger Hmm. Stranger, there's no sign of any sort of disturbance. Hmm. Why don't we creep up and look in the window? Okay, I shall try and move silently since I've uh, I've got somewhat ability of that. Okay, go for it. May that roll <clears throat> or not. Okay, so as far as you're concerned, now obviously remember when you make a move silently roll, as far as you're concerned, it's successful until you know otherwise. But um, yeah, you creep up to this tiny little, little hole, which is what passes for a window in this hood. And as you look inside, you can see what appears to be an older man with like a sort of white trimmed beard. He's wearing fairly sort of standard like furs and leather clothing. Um, you can see he's got like a few like fish hooks like hanging from his belt and stuff like that. He appears to be lent over what looks like a sort of straw, like crude straw mattress. And on the mattress is what appears to be a broad-shouldered man. He he's got various scratches and like minor injuries over him. As you're sort of like listening at the window, Brock, you hear the the white-bearded old man. He seems to be trying to like get the get the sort of broad-shouldered fella to like relax on the mattress and he's like he's holding out a bowl of some kind like a spoon in it like towards him and he's like he's like look look none of that none of that you you need to rest and recover your strength and he's like trying to hold this uh you presume like bowl of soup effectively out to him this broad-shouldered man's sort of like he tries to move and as he moves like obviously maybe like he pulls something or one of these injuries flares up and he lets out this like grunt and scream of pain and he's like I, I haven't got time to to, to, to stay here I've got to I, I've got to get after them and uh, trying to find out what happened to all my, my fellows which when the old man's like yeah, yes yes of course I, I understand but you're in no shape to do that just just rest now rest now and he's trying to sort of unsuccessfully because he's like an old fellow and this guy's like this guy is trying to like get to like lie down on the mattress he's like a big strapping lad and he's like, no, you, you, you're in no state to be to be going out there. Just, just, just relax now, relax. Well, wait, when you're stronger, please eat, eat some of this this fish stew. It'll 
it'll put strength back into your limbs. The 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 broad-shouldered fella looks as though he's about to like say something, and then he he sort of like catches himself, and he he just nods and takes the takes the bowl and like. And he passes it back, and as he like leans over to pass the ball back like, again, you see him sort of like grimace, and he's like, <clears throat> "Okay, um, we're seeing that situation. I'm going to wave Malcolm over." And uh, just as you're doing that, the the fellow who's handing the ball over, the broad-shouldered injured man, says, "Wait, uh, I think I heard something outside." He sort of like he reaches to his like waist as though he's like expecting to have a weapon there, and then he looks down. Obviously, he's basically like in his long johns, pretty much. And he looks down and he's like, "Damn it, I, I haven't even got a weapon to defend myself." It could, it could be those th- those damned sea pirates come back again. And he's like, "Oh man, have you got have you got any weapons around here we can defend ourselves with?" And the old man's like, "No, I'm I'm just a simple fisherman, sir." You see this uh, this broad-shouldered man now convinced he's heard like pirates about to murder him outside. He's trying to like struggle to his feet, and again the old man's like, "Look, you, you haven't got the strength. Like, don't, don't you'll like, you aggravate your injuries. I, I bandaged you up as best I could, but you'll reopen your wounds." He's like, ah, "I haven't got time to sit around like a, a an old woman when there's enemies knocking at our door." And he, he gets to his feet and almost immediately like sort of half falls over, and the old man like has to catch him. Uh, I look at Malcolm as probably a bit more diplomatic than Brock to sort of step in and uh, negotiate that we're so, here safe. So I just call out, um, hello, the host. We're travelers passing through, um, as if we haven't heard anything and we're just, um, and kind of wait for, so go basically go around the door and then start talking like we've just arrived. Yeah. The, the door opens and you see the old man with the, with the white bristle of beard stood there and he sort of, he looks at you a few moments and then he looks over his shoulder back in the hood and he's like, see, I, I told you, so there's nothing to worry about, just, just travellers and nothing to excite yourself about. And as you like look over his shoulder, you can see that he's managed to basically like sort of half get this guy back onto the bed before he like came to the door to speak to you. And this guy, sort of, okay. this, this like guy on the mattress, is still trying to like get to his feet. But you can see he's got like, bandages across his torso. He's obviously like sustained some serious injuries. He's got cuts and nicks all over his face, and he's still sort of trying to get to his feet. But every time he does, he's like, <clears throat> and he eventually collapses back on the mattress again. Um. So we heard some screaming. Um. We it sounded like someone was in danger. Um. The the old man sort of like says. Yes, it's uh, it's uh, it's the fellow back there. Uh, I I found him on the beach, oh, not not a day or two ago. Uh, w- washed ashore. It's it's a miracle he's alive, to be honest. Uh, I'm I, I'm just a simple fisherman. I I bandaged him up as best I could, but he uh, he, he won't listen to me. He keeps trying to g- get up, and he he's going to reopen his wounds. So. Okay, maybe let me talk to him and see if. I also have some combat experience I can try it. Please, maybe, maybe you can talk some sense into him. Uh, Lord knows I've not been able to. And he sort of steps aside for you to go into Cool, so I'll, I guess, walk in. Um, so when I'm looking at the bandages, are the bandages, like, in good nick, or do I think there's anything I could do to kind of make them better? And 
it, they're looking fairly good, Nick. It looks as though this this old fella's like sort of basically like ripped up one of his shirts into like strips and has used it. So they're not like proper like legit bandages, but he seems to have done a fairly good job. I mean, you can see that like obviously as this guy's been moving around, like some of his minor wounds have reopened because like blood like soaked into the bandages. But you know that like if you've sustained injuries and you keep trying to move around and do strenuous activity, your wounds will reopen. That's just how yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll sit down on the foot of the bed and say, um, <clears throat> uh, you seem to be in some pain. What happened? He says, oh, for, for, forgive me, sir. You, you find me a, not at my best, unfortunately. The, the ship that I was sailing on to a, to, to Valcona was waylaid by, by pirates. I, I came up on deck to try and help defend the ship as best I could, but uh, I, I must have been hit from behind or something. The next thing I remember, I was falling into the water, and then everything went dark. The next thing I remember is I, I woke up and this this kindly old fellow here was a. Uh, was dragging me up onto the beach and uh, bandaging my wounds. I, I don't even know what happened to the rest of the crew who was on the ship I was sailing with. Luckily for me, I since I'd been asleep when we were attacked, uh, I wasn't wearing my full armor at the time, or I'd have never, I'd have never made it ashore. I, I, I only have the possessions you see me wearing it now. Like I say, it's basically in that long johns. Um, and tell me about the ship that attacked you. He says uh, it was a it was a ship flying a flying a red flag with the with the sign of a skull on it. Uh, they they came. I don't know exactly how they managed to get so close to us. Like I was asleep when the attack started, but uh, I heard the firing of cannons and I heard the shouting up on the deck. I I grabbed my sword and ran up to help repel boarders, but uh, one of the dogs must have hit me on the head from behind or something. And like I say, the next thing I remember was landing in the water, and then I was on the beach. Indeed, we have uh, seen this ship sailing west um, just this morning, uh, west of here. He says, yes, I would um, dearly love to know what has, what has become of the rest of my crew. I mean, I, I suppose they're not my crew, really. I mean, I was only, I, I'd only booked passage on that ship, but uh, they, they treated me kindly whilst I was on board. I would... I would like to hope that some of them made it away from those dogs. Um, I fear that those who died may have been the lucky ones. Um, these are not just pirates, they are also slavers. You see like a look of extreme distaste come across his like fairly like chiseled features. And he's like, oh, slavers. Is there any lower form of profession? And he, he tries to sit himself up a bit, but again, he's like... Mm. They're right up there with assassins, indeed. Yes, distasteful. Oh, assassins, there's no honour in killing someone from the shadows. Where's the honour in that? If you, have a, if you have a problem with someone, you could do the right thing and challenge them to an honourable duel. That's the way things should be dealt with. That's the way we deal with them in Parisia. Mm. Is this Parisia somewhere one of the three? Yeah, P Parisia is one that I should know. Yeah. Parisia is one of the three kingdoms of Rohalene. It's basically 
ruled by like a monarchy and various knightly orders. Okay. Um, and what is your name? He says, uh, I am, f- forgive me, he says, I am Sir Javan of Eccle Lot. And he sort of like, he, he holds like a shaking hand out towards you. I'll accept it and say that I am uh, Malcolm Harp of uh, Um Yes, I'd, uh, I'd, uh, I'd received an invitation to to take part in a tournament at Fort Hawk. That's why I was travelling here. But I, I fear with the loss of all of my all of my armaments I'm in no fit state to to take part now, much as it galls me for the prize was great indeed. Not to oh. mention the honour and the glory. And what was the prize? He says, well, the uh, I received uh, an invitation from a uh, Lord Carabas Hawk, the the Lord of the Lord of the Forty, was sent to my order, uh, asking them to send brave knights. Uh, from what I understand, there is a uh, they are looking to reclaim a a ruined fortress that is near to to them. The however, from what I understand from the invitation, they have already sent several score of their guardsmen there, and none of them have returned. the The prize for the tournament was to be the to be the one to have the privilege to lead a concerted effort to reclaim the fortress which if the invitation is to be believed would then be gifted to the winner of the tournament to to rule over as a vassal of Fort Hawk do you know the name of this ruined fortress he says uh, he says uh, I, I, I did uh, sorry uh, let me think for a few moments he says, uh, what was it called it was Something like, and you see, he's like stronger grammar. Something like f- Winter's Hold or something similar to that. Winter Hold. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I've I, I no longer have the the original invitation I was given. Okay. And what would you do now, Sir Nice? He says, "Well, I, as I've said, I should dearly like to to participate in the tournament, but I feel." Honour demands that I must uh, attempt to find out what has become of the people on the vessel that I that I sailed on. So uh, I will I will have to attempt to see if I can find some equipment, some weapons, and then I will I will forsake my place in the the tournament and set off to try and find out what happened to those poor unfortunates on the ship I sailed on. It, it's the least honour demands. Um, I feel that it is a a difficult journey that you set yourself upon and I fear that you will have no luck um, these are more than mere pirates um, well that is as, that is as maybe but as I've said uh, I my honour demands that I attempt to find out what happened to the people who were, were so kind when they were bringing me here and should they, as you have said should they have perished then I would attempt to gain some measure of justice for them but I fear it will be some time before I can leave uh, 
this hut, as you see, I am somewhat reduced in strength. Most of pity. Mm, indeed. Well, we have a village some days travel from here, and we can kit you out for um, such a, an adventure. Um, we also have um, access to a messenger service who may be able to take your um, apologies to Fort Hawk um, should you wish to to avail of, of this then we are and I'll just give the directions to New Zealand um, he says if you are unfortunately I am I'm unable to travel under my own power at the moment due to my injuries. Uh, if you are heading back there, might I prey on your hospitality a little further to uh, travel with you? Um, how much would I know about these knightly orders? You're not from Parisia yourself, so you probably wouldn't know much about the specific knightly orders. You know that uh, Parisia is a very sort of like they're, they're ruled by a, a king that they believe has like the divine right of rule, and all of the sort of noble families submit their sort of their sons, etc., to these various knightly orders. Which they're basically like your sort of standard like feudal system going on in Parisia, where there's like peasants and then like the knights help defend the land and like police the land and stuff like that. And would we'll, would the knights be known for like honor and? Yeah, the, uh... yeah. The, the knights of Parisia are, are known for being sort of like fairly like lawful and honorable. Okay. That's not to say there aren't exceptions, but in the majority. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, unfortunately, our current trip does not take us to New, New Zealand. Um, I understand. But we can, um, when you are feeling better, if you move east from here to the Staffstone Tower, there you will acquire all the <clears throat> uh, supplies you need to travel east. Um, it says, alas, I have I have no money with which to with which to purchase supplies and I, I do not even have a weapon with which I could barter my services. Well, we can stop. We know the master of the staff stone tower and we can open a line of credit for you there to you know, acquire a sword and some equipment for travelling. If you were, if you would do so, I would be in your debt. Yes. Oh, that's the least we can do for a night of uh, Parisia. Thank you, thank you. And do look us up in New Zealand when you are uh, fully recovered. Uh, be be assured that I will. Again, thank you. And. <clears throat> um, and then I'll turn to Brock and say, I think it's time we were about our business. Yes, I don't think there's any more we can do at this stage. No. Okay, so you will leave the 
the fishing hut and return to where your allies have made camp. Um, so when we get back, we'll tell them about the tournament to Winter's Hold um, and the night and the fact that he was kidnapped and then that we need to stop in Starstone Tower to have a chat with Mercy. Is that her name? Mercy? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so you guys camp for the evening. The next, obviously, you can all recover D three hit points. Nice. The next morning, you wake up. What's your plan for the next day? Uh, I think we want to we want to travel down to here, and then I think I want to go to the Staff Stone Tower. But I don't think that our treasure should go within a few leagues of the tower. Um, okay. Yeah. So you you travel southeastwards for a day, and when everyone's sort of setting up camp again you know you're about you're roughly like a day to the northwest of dear sun you make camp on the coast you know that staffstone tower is effectively like half a day to the northeast give or take yeah so i guess what i'm hoping i can do is travel through the night to get the staffstone tower and then meet the party kind of halfway down here Okay, that's fine. Obviously, because you're traveling during the night, you won't regain any hit points on the next yeah, the next roll. That's fine. But yeah, after traveling through the night, you eventually sight Staffstone Tower, this tall, sort of dark stone tower built just within the bounds of the Whale Song Woods. You can see some guards around the base of it wearing this purple and black livery of Fort Eastburn. Um Cool, so I'll just approach the nearest one and say I'm looking to speak to Mercy, the captain of the guard. And the the soldier looks at you and he says, um, uh, who shall I tell um who shall I tell the Castellan is, uh, is uh, I am Malcolm Harp of New Zealand and she knows me well. Okay, please please wait here. And he, he heads inside. A few moments later you see Mercy Dixon, this young woman sort of like greyish silvery hair comes out walking out of the tower she sees you and she says oh um, Mr. Hop uh, what, what do I have the pleasure uh, I have recently met a knight from Parisia who was injured in a pirate attack um, I believe that his ship was the ship that he travelled to Valconan on was sank um, or um yeah, he is some two days northeast of here, uh recovering in a fishing hut. Um and I have traveled here um to open a line of credit for him so that he may uh purchase supplies um and uh equipment. 
for he wishes to chase the pirates who attacked his ship. Um, and I'm wondering if I leave this gold with you when you um, give it to him and you allow him to purchase whatever meager supplies you can afford. Well, we, unfortunately, since we're a, we're a military outpost, we're not a we're not a full fort. We don't have a, a great deal of spare supplies to offer, but uh, we we do have some we do have some old armaments which I suppose could be could be given to him in some some small amount of food and supplies. Uh, she sort of holds up a hand and says, uh, the, the gold's not necessary, it's fine. I, I Well, if I leave it with you, will you give it to him that he may supply in the Fort Eastburn or Sun or somewhere else. Uh, of course, if you, if you leave it here, I'll I'll make I'll make it a a personal goal to ensure that it gets to him. Yeah, so I'll just give her I don't know fifty gold pieces. Yeah, she she takes that. She like fastens the small pouch that you give her to her belt, and she says, "This won't leave my side until your friend arrives." Excellent. Um, well, I must be about my business. Um, so now we're. Now you're here, um, I know that you and your uh, your fellows you you travel around a a fair bit. I think it's safe to say. I don't suppose you've seen any odd-looking people in your travels. How would you define odd? It is a it is a truly wondrous continent, and we see many odd things. Perhaps it's um, perhaps it's easier if I show you and she like gestures for you to like follow her into the tower. Okay, so I'll follow her in. Yep, she she takes you through a number of like these stone chambers in the the tower, and then she takes you to a small chamber. She says, opens the door, and says, um, "We on one of our one of our patrols through the Wildstone Woods about." About a day's ride to the north of here, we found uh, this in the snow on the outskirts. And as she sort of shows you into the room, she lights a torch that's in a sconce on the wall. You see that there appears to be a dead body, like a human body, lying in the centre of the chamber. However, it appears to be almost entirely hairless, and the skin is very pale, almost white. What strikes you over is that the the face, the neck, and the upper torso of this dead body appears to be like covered in dried blood. Okay. And is that anything that we've seen before? It doesn't ring any bells. Okay. Uh, is the creature truly dead? Well, by all means that, that we can establish, we've uh, we've. We've cut it, we've prodded it with weapons, there's been no response. It, it was virtually frozen when we found it. He says, uh, that's not, as you can see, for all intents and purposes, it appears to be a, a human body. I'm sure, like myself, you've seen many of them. But um, that's not the strange thing. She moves towards the body, and initially she like takes hold of like the upper lip of the body and like peels it back. And you can see that like the teeth appear to be almost like needle sharp. Okay. And then she lets the lip go and it falls back. Where did you find this creature? In the forest? Well, we found it on the, the borders of the Wales and Woods. Like I say, about a, 
about a day's ride to the north of here. Um, some of my men found it on their patrol, and obviously I, they they called to me as a castellan to to go out and investigate, and I had them bring it back here. Uh, obviously, it's our intent to to give it a burial, but uh, I just thought, seeing as you were here and you're probably more well travelled in Balcona than myself, uh, I thought I'd show it you, see if it uh, see if it was anything you'd encountered okay. before. It's certainly nothing like I've seen before. Um, how much of the vampire legend would we, would I be aware of? Um, you've probably heard that sort of like rumours about you know people who get like possessed by like evil spirits. You know, if people aren't buried properly, they can like return from the dead. Very very sort of general stuff. There's no really sort of like oh this is Dracula sort of like myths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. You would have heard like you know more sort of like you know that the old like Eastern European sort of like vampire stuff. You know, or someone someone was a sinner in life and they weren't buried properly or whatever, and they they rose as like a ghoul from the dead, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, I wouldn't bury this creature. I would burn it. Um. Over the the months and years that we have been here, we have seen many creatures rise from the dead and come out of their come out of their graves. Um, and while I know it is distasteful um, for followers of Leander to burn their dead, um, it would be far more distasteful for you if this is one of those creatures that does rise from the dead. Um, she, she she smiles and says. That, that's fine. I, I don't really go in for that holy out the business. Hi, all right. Um, perhaps another day I will tell you of the judge and all that he does. Um, she, she sort of like raises an eyebrow and says, uh, I, "I don't mean to sound insulting, uh, Mister Hop, but I, I prefer to keep my mind on more more practical things. So there's there's enough to worry about in this world without creating new worries." Indeed. Um, yes. Well, let us talk of it another time. Um, I look forward to it. And yes, I will. Def- I will take your advice, and I will. I will see that this body is burnt and the the ashes scattered. Yes. Um, excellent. Well, then I will be about my business. I have a. I have to meet with the rest of my party. Of course. Well, safe journey to you. And to you, thank you for your assistance in this matter. Not at all. Oh, t- tell me one last thing before you go. Uh, let me stop. Malcolm, if I if I may. Uh, do you know whether your uh, whether your fellow has given any more thoughts to my my lord's offer? Uh, I he has. He thinks about it all the time. Um. And I know that he is sorely tempted, but I do not think that he is ready to commit just at the moment. I think he needs more time. That that's a shame, and I dearly wish we we had all the time. But if if my lord's um, suspicions are correct, uh, once the the worst of the winter is over, the the greedy eyes of those who Feared to leave Rohalene will turn towards the shores of Valkovan and they will seek to they will seek to claim all of the the hard work that, that we have put in here. 
So mm. I, I fear, I fear time may be a luxury we can ill afford at this point. But I, I can understand if your if your friend is not willing to commit to it. it is I, I know myself as the castellan of this tower. It is a it is a heavy responsibility to bear on one's shoulders. And I guess Johannes, the question for you is whether it is a thing that we have discussed and you want to do. Well, at, at this point, I'm going to suggest. How about we have a? How about we do a little diddle 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 diddle, <laughs> and we have a, a a little flashback. So, it, it's nothing sort of revolutionary, but obviously you guys will have probably talked about this. So. Obviously, for anyone who's not quite up in it, we're discussing the fact that an offer was made that they wanted to build another tower near your village of New Zealand, and they were suggesting that Weimar might be the castellan of this new tower, sort of because Lord uh, Eastburn, well, the current Lord Eastburn, the Dark Lord, the Dark Lord, Eastburn 2.0, Eastburn Wormtongue, said. Um, <laughs> Said that basically he wanted he wanted to build these towers along the coast so that when people from Raveline were like, oh yeah, we've come to like claim this for Raveline, you could basically be like, no, get fucked. Um, like he wanted like a wall of like defensive towers along the coast because that's where they're going to come from. But he seemed dead set from what Mercy said from having like local people in charge of the towers because they understand the needs of like their areas better than someone who'd been bought in and they'd be more accepted by like the local people. So obviously someone from your village for the tower in your village, etc. etc. So we'll we'll flash back to a nebulous like few nights ago, probably maybe why you've made camp, like heading back from the uh, from the sheltered inlet. You're sat around, the subject turns to is why am I gonna accept the deal and become like the lord of a tower? And I'll leave it to you guys to discuss. Obviously you're all sat around, you can all discuss it as you see fit. We're in flashback territory. So we did, in fact, already discuss some of this stuff. Well, most of it. We sort of sketched out a plan for where we wanted the tower to be put as well. Yeah, you suggested that you wanted it to be brought nearer to, like within the bounds of yeah. New Zealand, which Mercy was like, well, I'll have to confirm it with, uh, with my lord, but I don't really see it being a problem as like, he wants it there for like the defense of places along the coast. So, so I suppose in our little chat here, then the question is more about like, are, are we ready to do this then? I think we have to. I think we can't risk it being given to anyone else. Mm -hmm. And we're not ready to go to war with Eastburn at the mm -hmm. moment um, I like to imagine when Malcolm says that he's like we're not ready to go to war with Eastburn at the moment <laughs> um, this feels like the first step to legitimise our control of the land um, but there's no two ways about it he's a snake mm -hmm. and he's as likely to turn on us as we are to turn on him. Um, but, you know, he has access to, you know, armaments and men and and resources that we don't currently have. Assuming this is before the 
post and that after. Um, yeah, and it would it would legitimise our claim to the lands around New Zealand as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's right, and the nobles of uh, Rohaline are coming now next summer, then we will need to fight to protect what we have built. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's... You go. I was going to say, I think the question is, can we afford for him to be an enemy rather than a potential ally or at least a temporary ally by sort of saying no, we're more likely to just anger him and you know, he's more likely to become a an enemy almost. And I don't know how many how many men are we talking about having in our back garden basically from his forces. It would be men that we would manage and train, right? Yeah, yeah, but if if they were under strict command from them, if for whatever reason something went wrong, how many, you know, would? Uh, I think she said ten. Did she, John? Yeah, she originally suggested that what they'd do is they'd give you a temporary garrison of ten men, just to like keep an eye on the fort and help you secure it, whilst you were training up your own people. And then they'd effectively be on loan. Then once you've got your own people trained and installed, those ten men would go back to either Staffstone Tower or Fort Eastburn, depending on where they were drawn from. Yes, I can't. I can't really see any negative if we're just having a more defensive position on the river. If they agree to put it where we want it. Yeah. I mean, can you think of any? You know, negatives other than we sort of potentially feel like we owe him a little bit if if he helps us out if there's attacks. But um, we believe he is a magic user of dark intent from the rumors that we have heard. It is likely that. Mistress McCord will be unhappy that we have agreed to assist him. Um, And that in turn may turn her against us. Hopefully not, but always risk. Um, Well, can we ask that question? I guess we would. She was injured badly, was she? The last time we met her. Yeah, last time we met her was after the attack of the uh, the dire wolves on uh, on New Zealand. Most of her men, aside from herself and like a second in command, were killed, and she was quite badly injured. Okay, would she have been well enough to, to have a discussion about this with, or was she kind of unconscious? I mean, yeah, she, she, she was. She was too banged up at the time. Okay. Um. Yeah, they are not the allies they were before they lost many of their number, but they are an ally of sorts. 
Um, now I think that you know we we go into it with our eyes open and we know that he will eventually betray us. So it is only a matter of time before we are coming to blows with him, which may say her need for vengeance in the short term. But there are the drawbacks that I see, as well as the unknown. We don't know what he wants. As someone who's potentially sort of like a bit less familiar with uh, Seth Brannan, the current uh, ruler of Fort Eastburn, what's Quentin thinking about all this as this conversation is going on? I'm thinking that they already know it's potentially a trap. So it's kind of fruitless accepting it because you don't, if it's a magic user, you don't really know what the trap's going to be. It could be linked to the tower, in which case it might start affecting Weimar's mind. You know, so there's that consideration where it might not be a direct assault. It could be something that you don't even see coming. You know, it's not all about showing force when you can do something very quietly and gain control through the back door, so to speak. And Quentin, as he, as he lays this out to you all, he does make an interesting point because as you know like Brannon if what the rumours you've heard are true Brannon didn't exactly take over Fort Eastburn like with a massive show of military force did he? Um, do we think your sword might protect you from such malevolence? Certainly act we know that much. Presumably it would, I suppose, act in its own interests at such a time, upon which time you would also know corrupted. that something is going on. If that is a, you know, for lack of a better word, a magical item, couldn't that also be corrupted? I think we'd be confident that Seth Brannan wasn't going to be able to corrupt the sword assault. But famous last words and all but there's a difference between confident and being dead yeah the sun sword is one of the three most powerful objects that we know have ever existed it doesn't make it uncorruptible I think so well in in any way I think we probably have three different options here. We do this with Eastburn or we don't do this with Eastburn and then when when the people from the old country come over, we have the delightful chance to join them instead. Uh, or the third option is we flee certain death at either one of these factions' hands into I don't know, the glacier and forsake all effort at I don't know, making a livelihood that is not scrounging around whatever hole we find. 
I mean, you could mitigate it if you did decide to go with the tower by not actually being at the tower. That's where the garrison would stay. You would. Stay oh, I would. There. I would delegate for sure. That's 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 what I learned in the army. Yeah. You know, you need to build a rival tower. The two wind. towers. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking oh, that. The the two towers of New Zealand. Yeah. The twin One on each side of the river. Yeah. One on each side, and then you've got the port covered. If we can get some catapults at some point, that would be even better. We have one ballista. Yeah. I'll get two ballistas, one on yeah. each side. Yeah. I mean, while we're fortifying, might as well. And I mean, to be fair, now you know that um, your sage has basically like come up with his plans, which yeah. he said he needed like a day to like finish perfecting it, which was like weeks ago. So you can assume he's done that. Now, now it's just a matter of like, have we got materials and all the money? And he can just like build us some more. It's just a matter of time and resources. Mm -hmm. So, you, do you think this this foul magic user could use this tower against us? Is that what you're saying? Because if, if you are, then I say we just refuse their offer and we build our own tower. But then we still have to build two towers. Well, he will. Be, he will build a tower anyway. He right. will build one near you. Yeah. Right. So. So he'll build a tower anyway, and he'll put someone else in charge. He'll build you a tower. Yeah. Whilst building our own tower for Weimar to sit. In. Yeah. While he watches all of his minions in the other tower. And even better, if you can build a bridge between the two, then you've got a, a platform. Looking out to see. And really, we can have Cotton oversee it. So, like, if he himself comes to build a tower or to work on the tower, then we know that something is not right. Whereas, if you know, if it, he just sends a few laborers, you know, he's not going to share too much of his magic. I don't wouldn't have thought. Well, what gives him the right to build a tower in? In our vicinity, anyway. What okay. lands? Yeah. What, what what ownership does he have over these lands? He's got more swords than we do. That's pretty much it. Well, is he going to bring them swords just to build a stupid tower? Oh, he know. has to because he has to protect that part yeah. from um from the river to the fort. Well, like I say, can't we agree to build a tower of our own? And that will defend as, as good as his tower. Because no, then we're still giving up the ability to have two towers, one we're not paying for. But you've just said he's, he's some magic user. But that's why I we say... don't want anything to do with him. Tower. If his tower's across the river, his men have got to get out of the tower come across the river, into the town, get slaughtered. So you bottleneck them. If we build two towers, Weimar sits in the one we know is pure. So it can't corrupt him. It can only corrupt his men. But, but people talk of these, uh, this sorcery of portals and such. 
maybe you could use it as some doorway. But he's still going to be on the other side of the river. But as you've already said, he has mass, mass, masses of swords and men. I don't understand how magic works. I'm just giving you a hypothetical. All I know is magic is evil. All forms of magic. Well, in, in my experience, architecture has mostly been okay. I've been fairly satisfied with my experience so far. And given that we don't, we don't actually have, and this is something we should look into, we don't have an expert of our own to discuss <laughs> these things with us. Mm. And it is, I feel like it is going to be a disadvantage going forward. Uh, well, until now, here's you... an idea. Mm. We know a magic user. We know a very powerful magic user. You mean Peggy Greenteeth? Yeah. Okay. No, let's not go back there until we have fulfilled our end of her murder. Yes, that, that would be... Yep. Yes. Um, now, what about the old Dolby? Since we're all here. Wouldn't that be a, a discussion around how it might be used against us? The what? It's a tobacco. Okay. And when we smoke it, we get insights. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you're aware of the optional smoking rule in the game, Quentin. There's, there's basically an optional rule where if you've got like a pipe, you know, Lord of the Rings, whenever they have like a discussion, they're always like, oh, yeah. Let's consider what's going on. In this optional rule that we sort of bought in, like probably just shortly before you join, basically if you've got a pipe and some old doby and you like use your tobacco, you can basically use it to get like a hint about whatever subject you're discussing as you're all sat around like... Well, all right. If you don't want to get high, that's fine. But... I, I, like, I like the fact that like, Brock's been all like, magic, no, no, no. And you're like, oh, if you guys want to get high, and he's like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... it's natural. It's natural. We'll give it a go. Right, but until you started talking about the magic, you know, I can't see a problem with a tower. But if you think it's going to be somehow infused or affected by magic, then I've got no interest in it whatsoever. Let's smoke the Dolby and see what we can, what insights we might learn about his intent. Okay, you get smoking. I'm gonna just stay over here. Okay, so cross off a, a use of your old Adobe, all of you. Uh, and obviously, with this hint, it has to be about like a particular you sort of phrase it as in like this is what we're discussing, what we're trying to sort of mull over as we're smoking the finest weed in South Falconen. So I think what we're trying to mull over is how. How could he uh, use the tower? He used the tower against us from a magical perspective. Okay, well, it's very difficult for you to tell exactly as you sort of mulling it over because it becomes very obvious, like quicker, and you sort of know this already that none of you really have like any magical experience. Certainly, Brock doesn't because he's like magic. Nah, I've had experience of it. Yeah, and he was negative. Like it. Yeah, <laughs> so, so he's just like magic is bad. The rest of you may have seen some magic being used, but you're not like actually like practitioners of the arcane yourself, so you don't really know the sort of ins and outs of how it works. You know, obviously, that there are some items in existence that have magic within them. Witness the the sun sword, and you know that there are 
you've heard you've probably heard rumors that there are magic users who use like magic circles and various things to like help them like focus their energy and like channel their energies so theoretically is it possible that some sort of vast arcane working could use these stone towers like focuses yeah it's theoretically possible however it doesn't seem a particularly like very efficient way of doing it because obviously if you're like well I'm, I'm gonna get ultimate magic power but first i've got to like build these really expensive and like takes a long time like towers all across the land it's probably not the most efficient way of doing it and if it if he was doing some sort of vast magical working you'd expect him to be wanting to build more towers than just simply like the staff stone tower and like plonking one next to your your village and as far as you're aware he's not trying to like build any more so it seems unlikely that it's part of some vast magical working is it possible that he could be trying to exert some sort of corrupting influence over Weimar by giving him this position yeah possibly you think if he's doing that though it's more likely to be sort of like via like mundane means like bringing him into into the fold so to speak and sort of winning him over to his side of what's going on rather than just sort of like oh, i'm taking control of your mind like via magical powers it's not impossible but it seems a little bit unlikely but you think if you want to like really sort of 100 percent like set that to rest that's definitely not happening you need to find someone with like more knowledge of magic to like discuss it with them because like you guys are not the magic posse no so well where's where's the spirit of brother lomas when you need him i don't know does he does he get dreamed up in a smoking session just like appears yeah. like i only know clerical magic ah. okay so given all that i think it makes sense for us to say yes we will be the castellan of his tower on the west side of the river build our own on the east side of the river and then make sure that we build up the village or the, into the town on the east side of the river close to our tower but not close to his tower um and then i guess we can use the sun sword to work out if there's any sort of funky. i will um you get so many ballistas it's mm. unreal yeah. Yeah. Now, I've, I've, it's yes. I think this is a workable thing, and we'll we'll see, right? If the first step is masons and stone, you know, I, I like to imagine that because we've established that this flashback is like before you heist on the pirates. I like to imagine that after you've done the heist and you've come away with all this jewelry and whatever, you're like. So, uh, them, them ballistas then. <laughs> Build me a tower worthy of some pitiful village. Be <laughs> an automated ballista. You don't want them with the handles on, like the rapid fire. Okay, so crank. Unless, yeah, unless anyone else has anything in this flashback, I think we sort of draw that to a close. So that happened like a few days earlier. So you're sort of thinking about that, Malcolm, as you're, you're talking with Mercy. And she, she's you're leaving, she says, oh, by the way, um, I know one last thing, Guy. I know that um, 
probably within a, a week or two. My Lord Brannon is intending on having a a meeting of sorts with interested parties interested in the defence of Valconan against the force he believes is coming from Rohalene. I know that, obviously as a Castellan, I've got a bit of advance notice about it. I certainly know that he's intending to to issue an invite to yourselves as potentially interested parties in the future. It's to be a, a personal meeting of all parties concerned. Uh, I also believe he's been, uh, from what I hear, he's been negotiating with the the Shadow Elves that have claimed the fort to the north and they have agreed to send a representative along to the meeting. Shadow Elves, indeed. Mm. Yes, the ones currently occupying Fort Kersey. Intimately familiar with them. Yes, yeah, so that, that's, that's why I wanted to mention it to you. I know you have prior history with them. Okay, and where is this meeting to take events? To uh, take... I believe currently it's going to take place at Staffstone. That's why I've been given advance notice so I can make the relevant preparations, etc. And obviously I'm I'm nearer to yourselves, so it would probably be one of my men who would be issuing the invitation, although I've not sent it yet because obviously I'm waiting for the, the official word to come down. But since you're here, I don't see the harm in giving you a bit of advance notice so you can prepare yourselves, make yourselves ready, whatever. Yes, we certainly will. Um... Certainly will. Well, I, I, I don't let me keep you any longer. Um, I'll, I'll hand the um, hand the purse of gold over to your friend when he he arrives. Excellent. Be well. Then I'll be about my business. Be well. Cool. And then I'll head off and try and catch up with the guys somewhere around there. So that's not a problem. So I think we're going to bring the, the sort of session to a close it's like four days later you sort of, you arrive back in New Zealand so anyone who's down hit points you can recover 4d3 hit points obviously it's like four rations for each of you the, the travel's fairly uneventful so we'll, we'll skip over that and you arrive back in the village of New Zealand as you see it's sort of approaching as you're crossing the river that is where we're going to draw an end to the session for this evening guys thank you very much for playing i hope you all enjoyed it despite, yeah, it cool. despite the technical issues which again thank you very much for helping us get past that guys very much appreciate it yeah we we might not know magic but we might as well <laughs> from <laughs> what, what was pulled before we went online today <laughs> indeed okay well just remains for me to say again thanks to my wonderful players and to anyone who's watching this now or in the future. Obviously, we'll discuss XP and whatever, but I'm going to stop the recording now. So, anyone watching this, take care. Hopefully, we'll catch you in the next session.